You know, in the uh, two of the Gospels, in the Gospel of uh, Mark and also the Gospel of Luke, we read that after he was baptized by John, Jesus went by himself into the wilderness to be tempted. Forty days Jesus spent in the desert being tempted by Satan. Uh, but that temptation time was so necessary because out of that came a purpose and understanding about what he needed to go through in order to test his faith and trust in God. And today we too begin a journey of 40 days. It's called the season of Lent and uh, it brings us face to face with some of our own temptations and weaknesses. So as we journey uh, together, uh, we will walk, we will worship, and we will walk with God through this season of Lent and ask the Holy Spirit in the process to be our guide and our companion. So enjoy the time of worship this morning. Let's pray together, shall we? God, you know our hearts. You have knitted our inmost being together, and you know our deepest desires and our fears and our worries. So help us to journey during this Lenten season into a new awareness of your presence in our lives. Save us from our own temptations so that we may more freely follow you each day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now this morning as we meet for worship, we acknowledge that America mourns more loss of innocent young life in a senseless school shooting that we all saw in the news just a few days ago. And our reaction may be, not again, as we struggle to make sense of God's love and our culture in the face of this evil. We remember that the Bible tells us that the enemy, Satan, comes into this world to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I want to assure us all that the enemy does not get the last word. Psalm 34:18 tells us the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And I think brokenhearted and crushed in spirit might adequately describe what many of us are feeling today, but I also know that the Lord is close to all of those families. But you know what? Prayer is what binds us together. Prayer allows us to enter into the pain of other people, so I'm asking you as a church family today to be in prayer for the Parkland community as they begin the long journey of grief. And may the God of all comfort and hope and peace greet the victims' families with each new day. And we're gonna take just a moment this morning to uh, pause in a moment of silent prayer and meditation as we lift these families to God. Will you do that? Let's pray. I want you also to know that um, we believe that our prayers do make a difference. We believe that prayer can actually prevent this from happening again. That might sound like a bold statement when we've seen this happen over and over again, but as God's people pray, we can begin to shift something in this society in which is allowing evil to run rampant to something that demonstrates the love and the grace of God. So I encourage you to keep praying. Uh, for our nation and for 
our schools and for our, these families in particular. Today we're also jumping into a new teaching series for this season of Lent. A series that began this last Wednesday evening actually during our Ash Wednesday service. And it's called Come, Follow Me. And it's really a, a very a good series. I hope that you're going to be here and be part of it because there's going to be some new things unfolded during this series. But we're talking about Jesus calling those first disciples and how he calls us to come and follow him in a day-to-day -day relationship. And I hope you'll enjoy it as you come through this season of Lent and into Easter. Will you join me in prayer? God, we come today, some of us with hesitant steps, uncertain motives, but we ask you to begin to look inside of us and sweep out the corners of our lives where sin has accumulated and uncover the ways that we have strayed from your truth. God, expose the empty and the broken places where we don't allow you to enter and reveal our half-hearted struggles where we have been indifferent to the suffering of others. Nurture the faith stirrings of new life in us where your spirit has begun to grow. And let your healing light transform us into the image of your Son, for you alone can bring new life, and you alone are the one who makes us whole. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In case you weren't with us on Wednesday at our Ash Wednesday service, I, remind, I want to remind you that Ron Beckering did a great job telling us that each and every person who initially accepted the invitation to follow Jesus while he lived here on earth didn't start out as a saint. They were ordinary men and women who were deeply flawed. They were people who had personal struggles, who were not from the upper crust of society, but common, ordinary, hardworking people. In fact, the only people that Jesus called to follow him were sinners. And the people who really understood the depth of their sin were the ones who were ready to follow, while those who thought of themselves as being righteous and religious really struggled to understand what Jesus was all about. It was people like the prostitutes and tax collectors, people that decent people despised, who grabbed hold of the grace that Jesus offered who were attracted to his message of, of love and forgiveness and Jesus changed their life. The point is that being a sinner doesn't keep us from following Jesus, it's actually a prerequisite. So many people think that their sin keeps them from following Jesus when in fact it was sinners that Jesus came to be with and it is sinners that Jesus calls to follow him. However, it wasn't just sinners who followed Jesus, it was also non-believers. Think about it. Everyone who first followed Jesus didn't believe that he was the Son of God because they had no idea what it meant to call him the Son of God. People followed Jesus because he was a good guy, because they liked what he had to say. They followed him because his stories were good. Or maybe he had healed someone in their family or given them a free lunch. The first followers of Jesus didn't follow because of their great faith. They followed and then developed great faith. So no matter what we believe about Jesus, it is very possible for us to start following him and then allow Jesus 
to lead us to deeper levels of truth and understanding. So if you're not a believer in Jesus as the Messiah or as the Son of God today, that's okay. You can still follow and simply see what you learn and where God takes you. What makes the Christian faith different from many others is that while many religions say, change your life and then be a follower, Jesus says, follow me and I will change your life. So if you're looking for a change in your life, then today is the day to start. And if you're looking for an invitation to follow Jesus, this is it. You can start this very moment because it doesn't matter who you are or what's in your head or what's in your heart. You don't need to change anything. You just need to make the decision to follow him. The new creation starts after we make the decision to be a Christ follower. In order to learn how to take the first step, or maybe the next step, we are going to look today at the story of Jesus calling his first disciples. The story from Luke's gospel will teach us something about following Jesus and remind us that the very first four followers of Jesus were all fishermen. But more than that, we're going to see that one of them, one of those first followers, a man by the name of Peter, had to be willing to go deeper with Jesus before he was really able to understand what the disciples' life was all about. The story we're going to look at is recorded in two different Gospels, both Matthew and Luke, and each story was written to a different group of people. Matthew wrote his Gospel primarily to a Jewish audience, which meant that he was writing people who, to people who already had a basic foundation of faith and trust in God. And these were people who knew God or knew something about God, so they were already pretty far along on their faith journey. Here's what Matthew has to say in chapter 4. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. And immediately they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now many people begin to think that this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. He calls us and we're supposed to drop everything and change everything in our life and go follow him. And if we think that's the norm, then the temptation for us is to take a step back and say, whoa, no thanks, Jesus. I don't want to do that. I'm not ready to do that. But the reality is there is more to the story, even though Matthew doesn't include it. Because remember, he's writing his gospel to a people who should be ready to give God all that they have and all that they are. He's writing to a primarily religious Jewish audience. But if we turn over to Luke's gospel, we find that uh, some details which are very helpful for us. Luke is writing to a Gentile audience. That means he's writing to people who are not Jewish. So they do not have this foundation of faith and trust in God. They may not know anything about God. And so the picture he gives about following Jesus is very different. It's the same story, but it gives us more detail. In Luke chapter 5, 
we read, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Now already we see differences in this story, don't we? Jesus doesn't randomly come up and ask these fishermen to follow him. Jesus is teaching people on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and probably he's been there for a while. As fishermen, the disciples have been on the shores and most likely heard Jesus teaching and preaching already. And this particular day, they're cleaning their nets and mending their nets and after working all night, and they're listening again to Jesus teach. And the first thing we discover is that following always starts with listening. Following Jesus always starts with information and content and knowledge about God and about Jesus. We don't follow Jesus blindly into some great vast unknown. We follow a God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ and has given us information about who he is. And we follow Jesus after we've been able to listen to him and learn from him and who he is and in who we are and what life is all about. So the first step in following Jesus is always to listen. But then the story continues in verse 3. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Jesus asked Peter to push his boat out a little from the shore so that Jesus could use it as a floating pulpit a floating stage and continue preaching to the crowd what Jesus is asking Peter is going to inconvenience him just a little bit but it's in order so that Jesus can keep preaching would Peter be willing to give Jesus just a little not much not a big investment but a little of his time and effort and energy and by saying yes Peter has the opportunity to keep listening, to keep learning, which is important. So the next step for Peter then, and for us, is loaning our boat to Jesus. Loaning our boat means being willing to have our lives interrupted, have our lives inconvenienced by God. We give some time, we give some energy, we give a part of ourselves and our lives to God, and in the process we're able to learn something new and listen to Jesus a little bit longer. Loaning our boat means giving up some time to read our Bible. Maybe spending an hour working in our food pantry, packing lunches for Advent House, the homeless shelter, or going on a work camp trip to serve those in need are so, whose needs are so much greater than our own. Maybe it means joining a class or a small group so that we can learn about God and what it means to follow Jesus but it's taking that small step forward, which is exactly what Peter did. After these first two steps, Jesus then asked Peter to go a little further and out a little deeper, literally into the deep water. Look at verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now what Jesus is asking Peter to do involves some risk. 
some faith because Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, let's go fishing. And Peter's response to Jesus tells us a lot. He starts out by saying, Master, not Messiah, not Lord, not Savior, not Son of God, but Master, which was simply a term of respect. Peter has heard enough of Jesus' teaching to know that he's an honorable man, but he's not convinced that Jesus is anything more than a good religious teacher. And I'm sure Peter is thinking to himself, hey, Jesus, you may be a good teacher and know something about God, but you don't know a thing about fishing. And the reason people, uh, Peter must be thinking that is because Peter and the others have just been out fishing all night. They brought their boats into shore and are cleaning their nets because everyone in that time period knew that you didn't fish during the day, you fished at night. During the day when the sun was hot and the water surface temperature got warm, all the fish stayed on the bottom. And, and, and so you went in and you cleaned and mended your nets and got some rest. But at night when the water was cool and the fish came to the surface to, to feed, you gathered them up in your nets. So Jesus is asking Peter to do something that he's done a thousand times before, but he's asking Peter to do it in a different way and in a way that was very risky. And the risk for Peter was to look foolish. Remember, there's still a large crowd of people on the shore and Peter's going to look pretty silly if he goes out and puts down his nets and catches nothing. So when Jesus says, let's go fishing, Peter, he is asking Peter to trust him. A little more faith is needed here and while Jesus knows that the payoff is going to be huge, Peter doesn't know that. Jesus not only knows that there will be a huge catch of fish, but in, that in time the world will change through Peter's leadership if he will just take this one step of faith. But Peter doesn't know any of this, and he doesn't understand the importance of taking a next step. Peter has to be willing to do something he has, that he's done every day of his life, but in a different way, a way that calls for some faith and trust. Peter has to be willing to do this one thing God's way, and while Peter still doesn't have a lot of faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God or the Savior of the world, he has enough faith, he has this glimmer of faith, and he takes the next step. Look at verse 5. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Peter isn't doing this because he believes that anything's going to happen. He does it because he has heard enough from Jesus to at least give it a try, and he takes this next step in his faith development. So Peter goes fishing, and look what happens next in verse 6. And this time their nets are so full of fish, they begin to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. Notice that the next step has nothing to do with believing anything about Jesus or thinking that Jesus is anything more than who he already thought he is, a good teacher. This step is all about doing something tangible. The disciples acted, they followed, and things began to happen. So there comes a point in our lives where we just need to do something. We take that step forward and then allow God to do whatever God's going to do. 
We may not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We may not believe that Jesus is God in the flesh and Savior of the world. But we have enough, we've heard enough, that we now feel compelled to do something. Here is where we see the difference between religion and having a relationship with Jesus. Religion tells us to change and then follow a relationship with Jesus says, follow me and I'll change your life. So Peter followed, and now here comes the change. Look at verse 9. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The change is first heard in how... Peter now addresses Jesus. It's no longer master. What is it? Oh, come on. Lord. Okay, there you go. Somebody paying attention somewhere. Something has changed in what Peter believes about Jesus, and now he looks at himself, and he looks at his life, and Jesus is now the Lord. He is full of God's holiness and power, and Peter realizes that he is a sinner, who, and he's deeply aware of that sin. And with his eyes wide open to who Jesus is and who he is, a new relationship with Jesus is formed. What's great about this scene is that Jesus doesn't look at Peter and agree that he is an awful sinful man and casts him out of his presence. No, not at all. Jesus invites Peter at that point to come follow me. So let me emphasize again what Ron shared with us a few days ago on Ash Wednesday. Our sin doesn't keep us from following Jesus. In fact, it is a prerequisite. We need to come face to face with who we are in the light of who Jesus is if we're going to go deeper with God and deeper in our faith. And what we also need to see in this story is that Jesus doesn't go and tell Peter to clean up his life and then follow. This is just the invitation to follow with the understanding that Jesus will make Peter into something more uh, than what or who he already is. Peter uh, is going to be changed. We don't change and then follow. We follow and then allow Jesus to change us with each step we take. And for Peter, the last step was to leave everything behind. Peter left his nets and his boat and his family to follow Jesus, and in leaving it all, he allowed Jesus to use him to help build God's kingdom and share God's message of salvation. He became a, a fisher of men and women, not just a fish. So I think this story uh, reminds us of four steps that we all must take to follow Jesus. First, we are to listen to Jesus, to gain more insight and knowledge into who God is. Secondly, we are to loan our boat to Jesus. We need to be willing to have our lives interrupted and inconvenienced for the sake of the kingdom. And third, we've got to go fishing. We need to take that step forward and get involved and allow God to change us as we grow. And then finally, we have to be willing to leave everything behind. We have to be willing to do whatever it takes for the greater good of reaching more people for Jesus Christ. But I also believe that today each one of us is somewhere in that story. Some of us today need to listen to Jesus. We need to come back next week and hear more and learn more what, uh, what's next in our de desire to follow Jesus. And some of us are, are still in the stage of gathering information and knowledge, and we just need to sit and listen some more. 
But some of us need to loan our boat. We need to allow ourselves to be inconvenienced and maybe read more of our Bible during the week or maybe join a small group or a Bible study or a class where we can learn more about God and more about ourselves. And I know you may be thinking, Rod, I don't have time for that, but that's what it means to be inconvenienced. It means giving up some time to learn a little more. We aren't talking about a lifetime here. We're not talking about making it your vocation. We're talking about an hour a week or so to learn more. We're talking about prioritizing your life so that Jesus comes first. And then some of us need to say yes when Jesus said, when Jesus says, hey, let's go fishing. We need to do something that will that we've done a thousand times before, but try it God's way instead of our way for a change. And this step usually means that we need to do something different in three areas of our life, in our relationships, in our profession, and in our finances. And I say that because these three areas form the basic foundation of our life. These are the things that make up most of the big things and the little things that we do every day. And today God is asking us to do those same things, but maybe in a different way. And I think God is asking us to treat our families differently, to reach out to a friend or a neighbor differently. God wants us to look at our jobs differently and to risk something that we might not otherwise risk at work. God is asking us to spend our money, something we do every day, but do it in a way that's according to his purposes, not ours. And just like Peter, we don't know what hangs in the balance. We don't know what's on the other side of saying yes to God. But we know that it's going to be different. And I guarantee you that if we will just go fishing, things will change for the better. And what's so great is that I don't have to tell you what that one thing is today. Because I believe that you know what it is already. You know what God is saying to you today because you've been thinking about it all during this message. And it's something God has been laying on your heart for some time. You know what it means to go fishing, and you know you can do it if you will just pull up your boots and follow. If you'll give it a try, I promise you that God will lead you and God will change you. And some of you today might be hearing God say, I need you to leave everything behind. You want to give God the fullness of your heart and your life and vocation. You realize that if you say yes, there's no turning back to that, but you're ready to do that. It's a difficult place to be for many of us because that's where, like Peter, we become fully aware of our limitations in our sin. But our sin doesn't hold us back. In many ways, it is what moves us forward because we want to move beyond our sin and experience the fullness of the life that only Jesus can offer. God is calling each of us this morning to take that next step. We might need to listen. We might need to loan our boat. We might need to just go fishing, or we might need to leave everything behind. But we're all in this story someplace. And God is asking us to simply take the next step. Are you ready to go deeper? No matter where you are in your journey of faith, you can take a next step. And even after we have left everything to follow Jesus, we still need to take a next step because this kind of goes around and comes back again. And that next step is going back to listen all over again. God keeps calling us out into deeper and deeper waters to let down our nets so that we begin, as we begin this Lenten journey together, starting today with this first Sunday of Lent, 
I want to invite you to put on some good sturdy boots so that you can take your next step with Jesus. I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we hear your invitation to come, follow me, and we want to follow, but we also want to stay where we are. We want to receive what you offer, but we also want to cling to what we already have. And so we're stuck. Holy God, calm our fears. Forgive our selfishness. Loosen our grip. Liven our feet. God, grant us eyes to see the people around us as people that you love. Our relationships as arenas where we can show your grace and our everyday encounters as opportunities to invite people into your embrace. So teach us how to take the next step in our relationship with you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name.